0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and we have big breaking news this morning. We weren't planning on recording a pod, but Kemba Walker is going to be a New York Knick as of this morning, reportedly on a multi-year deal that will pay him only $8 million per season, which we learned while we were recording this pod with John Corrales of the Locked On Celtics podcast and the Locked On NBA podcast. John came on and gave us
1: some great insight, Gavin, I think, for this one. onto the newest, Nick. Wow. Wow. What a time, Alex. Yeah, and John was awesome. Breaking down where Kemba is at health-wise after two injury-ridden seasons with the Celtics. Just how good of a shooter the Knicks are getting and why that's the most important quality potentially that Kemba brings to the table for the Knicks and how he'll fit along R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. And then his play with Evan Fournier last year, we got a little preview of the Knicks backcourt this year for the final 20 or so games on the Boston Celtics. So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are locked
0: on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
2: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starch, without a five. Ewing from around, yes! Hubs left, he now fires it. three. he's good, and he's fouled! And, and, and he's out! Anthony for three. Five. That one goes down! This is all about. Back up, off the glass, it's good! Oh, Jeff Burris! Becomes Becomes infectious.
0: Alright, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Nick's site, the Strickland, which you can find at the Strick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play man out there. And we are joined today by John Corrales, the host of Locked On Celtics. Why, might you ask? Why are we being joined by the Celtics host? Because the Knicks, just in a nice little Wednesday morning surprise, signed Kemba Walker, who is being bought out by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Terms haven't been disclosed yet, but given the fact that he just got, I don't know, I think he got about $70 roughly plopped in his lap this morning, the Knicks are probably getting him for a minimum or something close to that. Uh, so, John, welcome in. How you doing? Uh, thanks for coming on on such short notice. And uh, how, how are you doing overall? How's free agency? Training?
2: <laughs> um, I'll tell you when free agency starts for the Boston Celtics. Apparently, uh, Brad Stevens actually thought that the negotiation period is a real negotiation period. He forgot how to tamper. And so the Celtics still haven't signed anybody yet. So right a now, it's the guy.
0: He's he's a very wholesome guy from from everything. <laughs> so. Quite wholesome. Awesome. Really cheating,
2: not me. What? <laughs> I Refuse. I refuse to operate by anything but the letter of the law.
1: So, I, I guess I'll get I us started guys, here, guys. Quickly, um, apparently the the deal is worth roughly eight million in average annual value, according to Jake Fisher, which also implies that it's more than one year.
0: Oh, I mean, if they sign him for multiple years for eight million dollars a year, that's insane uh so that's awesome okay cool well <laughs> uh, breaking news live on the on the the pod here um well john our let's talk about the knicks new extremely inexpensive veteran point guard here um i i think there was a lot of talk about kemba being sort of washed at this point um you know and there was part of it was injuries part of it was performance i guess you know like there has been a, a drop off in some ways in performance for him in the last few years. Um, he's not drawing quite as many free throws like he drew three and a half this past year. Uh, previously, you know, his high for his career, like at the end of his Charlotte run was five and a half per game. And he had done that for a couple of years. years. Uh, his three point percentage went down a little bit, although the volume is still there. And, you know, honestly, all told, he did still. He's still scored almost 20 points per game this past year, so it's not like he was a slouch or anything. Um, What's your take on his game? Do you think that he really just needs to get healthy? And then some of that, like, you know, I think some of the complaints around him were that some of the burst was gone and he didn't quite have that explosion that he used to have. Like, what's your overall take on on Kemba's game right now?
2: Yeah, I think some of that is true. I don't think he's washed. I think that's, I think he's got plenty of basketball left in him. It just needs to be managed properly. Uh, the, the knee issue is, is a real concern, and it kept him from playing in back-to-backs all this past season. Uh, I, I think the number one thing with Kemba is it's about managing the pain, making sure that he's able to keep that knee strong, and not overdoing it it's it's very important that he is within whatever parameters he and the training staff set if whatever it is that works he has to stay within those and if you try to push him let's just say the the parameters are 32 minutes per game and no back-to-backs if you try to push him out to 38 minutes a game in the playoffs or 40 minutes a game in the playoffs you really run the risk of something going wrong. Uh, it, it's it's akin to driving a car just that little bit too fast when it starts to shake. And and you really are asking for trouble. But if you play within the parameters, he can be pretty good. I mean, he, he still had some some pretty good games at the end of the season. Uh, I'm just looking at his game log. You know, he, he had a 36-point game at at the very end. He had actually one, two, three, four 30 point games in the last seven uh, or last six games of last regular season. So he's, he's capable of, of dropping some points. He's still obviously a defensive liability. He's still small. The burst is not what it used to be for sure. Um, but I think some of what we saw over the past couple of years in Boston also is part of the, you know, pandemic, the knee, the inability to, to fully rehab the way he was supposed to. I think the short turnaround kind of screwed him because he he spent the first part of the season trying to build back up to a certain point where it was supposed to be part of his off season regimen. And instead of coming back in January, he came back in December and it just it hurt. It hurt the fit at the in Boston in his his final season there. Jalen Brown was uh coming up and, and he, he turned into an all-star but all of a sudden the fit that Kemba had with the Celtics when he first joined a couple seasons ago had changed and he was asked to do asked to do a lot more spotting up and try to fit fit with two guys that were clearly better than they used to be so I think there's a useful player in there I think there's a good player in there I think eight million is about right for what Kemba Walker can give you if you expect too much then you're gonna get you're gonna get burned.
1: I think that's sort of the beauty of what the Knicks have done here. And look, there's still a scenario where this goes disastrously wrong. But in, in a very weird sense, two uh, former uh, near, near best in the league, in the case of Derrick Rose, the best in the league point guards that are often injured at this point in their career are better than one, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. But I, I really, I genuinely believe it. I, I think they can balance each other out. And to your point on the parameters, John, they can keep each other within those parameters. And the Knicks had a distinct belief that Derrick Rose was at his best playing 20 to 30 minutes a night. They stretched that towards the end of the regular season. They certainly pushed it throughout the playoffs. And, and Rose, thankfully, thanks to his insane, uh, I think it's called fascia stretching routine, stayed healthy. But they were playing with fire that entire time. And I think this front office was smart enough to realize that they couldn't do that on a consistent basis and expect Derrick Rose to be the best version of himself, which he certainly was in the second half of last year. And now with Kemba Walker, you have that flexibility that they can each play 20 to 30 minutes a night. And behind them, between Emmanuel Quickly and Miles McBride, you have two younger guys. Who, when one of them is hurt, or when one of them just needs preemptive rest, you can supplement that with a lot of interesting flexibility at the point guard position with Quickly. That that off the dribble, high level pull up shooting with Deuce McBride, presumably some amazing defense and a mid range game. Obviously, we'll have to see how he transitions to the NBA. But I think it's it's a complementary point guard rotation that the Knicks have built and, and to me the most significant factor in, in signing Kemba Walker e- even though the the signature ability of his career that has defined all of his immense success in Charlotte and then in Boston is that incredible handle that that ability to beat anyone off dribble and get to the basket but the the underrated story I think of his 10 years in the league now is his, how he changes a three-point shooter coming into the NBA, shooting 30.5% on 3.4 attempts per game as a rookie and, and turning into a guy his first year on the Celtics, eight and a half attempts per game, 38% from distance. He's had years where he shot right around 40. Um, legitimately one of the better high-volume three-point shooters in basketball. And, and Derrick Rose, interestingly enough, he pulled that same trick with the Knicks last year, not quite to the same extent, but he turned himself into a high level three point shooter. But he hadn't done that his entire career. And to me, at least, my big concern when the Knicks um, gave him $42 million or, or at least two years of that guaranteed it felt as if that was unsustainable. It felt like a flash in the pan. And the Knicks, we saw it all of last season, they were infinitely better when Emmanuel quickly was playing point guard relative to someone like Alfred Payton because he could space the floor. And it turned the Knicks into a dramatically different team that was somewhere around 20 points per possession, per 100 possessions better when Alfred Payton was not on the court. So the Knicks desperately, desperately needed that shooting. And when Derrick Rose was off, or or excuse me, when Derrick Rose was on, if he couldn't sustain that, I don't know what the Knicks were going to do this year. And and to me, Kemba Walker really, really supplies that. But that was a long-winded way of asking you, John, what did you think of Kemba as a shooter? Because I know obviously to some extent it it is contingent on his ability to get to the basket that he can get into those shots because he is a smaller guy. And if he loses a step, all of a sudden you can press up on him that much more. and And it's a higher degree of difficulty to be that star shooter that he has been over the last couple of years in the NBA.
2: Uh, I think the one thing about Kimball Walker's shooting has been that he is um a streaky shooter and and you have to prepare for that that he might go four of ten, but it'll start as o of six and then four for four, you know, or it might start four for four and then o for his next six so there there are um there are some some issues there that you you have to prepare for and if he is struggling at all with the knee and he can't turn the corner then that the threat of him attacking becomes a little less so um what when when he's at his best he's he's pulling up like he's he's just the master of the pull-up jumper so i would i would rather see him as a threat going downhill and then pulling up from the elbow which is something that he loves to do and um the, the three-point shooting uh, will, will be spotty. You, you just have to be prepared for it to be spotty.
0: All right, we're going to take our first break. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to endure all the pointless and intimidating questioning about the specifics of the model of your car, uh, the the trim package, and all this other stuff? and wait for the person behind the counter to order the part on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry that's going to make them the most money. You guys have access to computers with rockauto.com at home, in your pocket, on your tablet, whatever. There's there's all kinds of ways to access rockauto.com and save yourself the trip to that brick-and-mortar auto parts store. You could save time and money when you're using Rock Auto. Why would you want to spend 30%, 50% or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you could go to Rock Auto. For example, you could get a Honda Odyssey fuel pump for $353 from a chain store, just $216 from rockauto.com. Not an insignificant margin there. That's almost $150. Rock Auto also is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They'll get you the part that you need for sure. Get it sent right to your door and make sure that you're happy with it so you keep coming back. I would definitely recommend using rockauto.com anytime that you need a car part because it's the shipping's quick. You get the part at the best possible price, even better than Amazon, as I learned when I had to order a new gas cap for my car. So definitely use rockauto.com. If you want to see what they have for your car or truck, head there now. Again, that's rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And if you decide to pick up a part, right Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So this uh, this might be a, a slightly different direction, but it's, the Knicks have, as it turned out, uh, signed two guys that were Boston Celtics last year. So yeah. I, I think, I think um, it's kind of interesting now to look at their fit together, too. And how well Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier did together on the Celtics in the limited time that they were given. You know, I know Fournier's time there was a little dicey because he like had COVID, and you know that kind of cut into his ability to get adjusted properly and all that stuff. His statistics are a little underwhelming, although his shooting numbers were actually pretty solid with the Celtics. But um, there was a good stat poll that I saw on on Twitter from uh, Michael uh, Nania who actually is a a Jets writer, but he loves the Knicks too. And he, uh, he had pulled the stats and it's a pretty small sample size, 192 minutes, but Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier was actually the best two man lineup by net rating for the Celtics last year at 13.8 points in the positive per hundred possessions. Um, Did that bear itself out at all to you? Like what was, what was the fit like between Fournier and Kemba, uh, you know, for the Celtics after Fournier arrived? And, you know, do you think that that's, it, just in your, I guess, you know, outside opinion, do you think that these two are going to be a pretty good fit on the Knicks with R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and presumably Mitchell Robinson or possibly Nerlens Noel?
2: Well, you know, I, I didn't see enough of those two to say, yeah, they're definitely going to... Do well uh, together. Part of that that net rating has to do with some outrageous shooting games from Evan Fournier. Now, Fournier had a weird time in Boston. He, he they get him. He had a false positive that held him out of his first game. Then he got an actual positive COVID test that that held him out for a little while. He came back. He told us that he was feeling like he had concussion-like symptoms. That was how the COVID was presenting itself. And then after he got a a vaccine shot, that helped it clear up up a bit. And then he went from horrible shooting, like he couldn't see the rim, to he had some games where he he hit like, I think, eight, nine, ten threes in a row. Like he just had some outrageous shooting performances. So... I think Kemba, by virtue of being on the floor in in some of those, got caught up in that, that net rating. So I think that that number is a little bit inflated. Um, but I also think that Evan Fournier is a really good basketball player, and he does a lot of the things that complement Kemba because Kemba can drive and kick, and Fournier can spot up, and Fournier can then attack and close out. He's got all of those skills that – that you want playing off of Kemba Walker. So I I don't see any reason why they wouldn't fit together. The only, the only drawback that I see, especially for a Tom Thibodeau coach team is that Kemba is a obviously real defensive liability and he'll try and he'll draw charges. You're going to love when he draws charges, but you're also going to cringe when he draws charges because you're gonna be like, okay, that was nice. Preserve yourself. But um, I think he and Fournier on the defensive end, Fournier is a little bit of an underrated defender, but individually he's going to get roasted from time to time. So that's going to be where you, you're going to see any deficiencies. Offensively, I think they're going to play well together. They'll space the floor well. And, you know, if you're playing with a, you know, a Mitchell Robinson and you're looking for lobs, Kemba Kemba had a lot of experience playing with Robert Williams, big bouncy guy who loves to go up and catch lobs. So, um that that's gonna be fun for you guys as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think that is Mitchell Robinson is crying tears of joy somewhere because he has had the worst collection of lob passers in NBA history the first <laughs> few years of his career. And 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 he's he's played pretty well despite it. All right, guys, let's get to our second break with John and tell you about one of our all-time favorites. It's Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. John, you were you were kind of hinting at it earlier with Kemba, the the fit around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown becoming a little bit more awkward, a little bit more difficult as Brown got better. And not that the Knicks have an exactly analogous situation. Um, Obviously, Julius Randle, I I would argue, a a bit of a step down from Jason Tatum. R.J. Barrett, definitively a a couple of steps down from what Jalen Brown has become, at least at this point. But someone like Barrett could take a step forward. Randle, just 27 years old, or turning 27, I'm not quite sure. Um, He could take another step forward. And I'm fascinated to see how that dynamic plays itself out. Um, maybe, maybe not an issue, maybe they all coexist perfectly, but I, I know even last year where, where this was a much bigger issue with RJ as a rookie, there were games where RJ would sort of get lost in the wash in the playoffs, especially, it seemed like they had a lot of trouble. I mean, maybe it was on him, maybe it was on other guys in the offense, maybe it was just really good defense from Atlanta, but he, he had a lot of trouble getting in rhythm and getting touches and getting to his spots early in games. And I'm curious how you feel about Kemba Walker as a point guard in that respect, because obviously he he has a reputation as a score first guy. He's not really that Chris Paul-esque game manager, get everyone involved, get everyone their shots, then get into the flow of his offense. But at the same time, at, at least as far as I've watched him, never a particularly selfish dude, obviously an incredible teammate in all off the court situations. What, what's your read on what he could do for someone like RJ Barrett and, and, and kind of like limit or exaggerate parts of his game depending on what other guys on the court need.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a different situation for him going into New York because he knows what he's getting into. Uh, the, the situation in Boston was, was a little more difficult for him. Again, because when he, when he came to Boston, that was a quick pivot from the Kyrie, Kyrie Irving departure. Jason Tatum had not quite yet ascended Jalen Brown certainly had not ascended. So he came to Boston thinking, I'm going to do what I'm doing in Charlotte. I'm the man, very clearly the man. He was the leader trying to help lead this team uh, and, and take them to that next that next step, a, a recovery after Kyrie and even Al Horford leaving. So he was a breath of fresh air, first of all. He certainly was very uh, a very good teammate, very good with the media very good with everything like he just embraced everything he is uh just a joy to have around like he's he's the exact type of person that you want on every on every basketball team he's he's not going to rock the boat at all so i think the difference in new york is he knows that he's at a different stage in his career when he got to boston obviously the knee stuff was was problematic but nothing too too serious uh then it got really bad after that all-star game then going to new york he's he's aware of the limitations he's aware of who's on the team he's aware of kind of like is is he the starting point guard is he the six whatever their their plan for him is they're going to have that all hashed out at the beginning and you're right he's very unselfish he's not going to try to do something that hurts other players. Now, he is also a score-first guy, yes, and he's going to have to look for his shot and stretches. That's how he gets into the flow of the game. That's how he feels the rhythm of the game. So don't be surprised if he starts looking for his offense early, but that that's okay. Uh, he's capable of a 10, 12-point quarter, no problem still. And once that happens, then he can be the threat to to pass he can be the guy that's more of a facilitator Uh, you kind of need him to be that offensive threat for everything else to go well so that's going to take some more adjustment i think from the other guys than than from kemba i think kemba can adjust his game to to look for his teammates a little bit more uh maybe look for them a little bit more than he has and if anything the the end of his time in boston when all of a sudden Jason Tatum has become an all-NBA-level guy and Jalen Brown has become an all-star-level guy, him trying to figure out how to play with them is actually the nice kind of precursor to slide him into this this role with the Knicks. He's already started to make that transition in Boston. And I saw it start to sort of work. I saw him spotting up in the corners and doing you know, Kemba has a catch-and-shoot corner three, Guy is not something that we ever see him as, but he started to do that a little bit more as time went on in Boston. So he can do that a little bit more now moving forward. He's he's started to see, okay, if I'm gonna transition into the third best player on the team or whatever best player on the team, not the number one guy, I'm gonna have to do these certain things. And he started to do them. So Knicks fans can look at that and say, ah, okay, here's the evidence. At the end of this this second season here in Boston, here's the evidence that he doesn't have to be the guy with the ball in his hands all the time, just some of the time.
0: Yeah, you know, actually, the, you just literally like dovetailed perfectly into the next thing I was going to bring up, which is I was just looking at his stats because my next question was going to be, "Hey, how does he look off ball?" Because you know, I I think that there is a chance that he's going to be he's going to be asked to spot up a little bit, or you know, just be capable of finding a place on the court where he can still hurt the other team without the ball in his hand, you know, for stretches because Julius Randle last year, I mean, he was, we we didn't use this term lightly. I mean, he was, he was the Knicks LeBron James for large stretches of last year. And that sounds obscene to say it's like blasphemous almost, but it was true. I mean, he was, he was driving and kicking and, and literally running their whole offense for entire games, not even just, you know, for stretches. I mean, he was, especially towards the end of games, he was like the alpha and the omega to to end every single game. You know, he was option one, two, and three, and then he would, you know, kick to various players to, you know, generate offense, whether it was Reggie Bullock or R.J. Barrett or Derrick Rose even, you know, down the stretch of some games, uh, Randall would kick to him, and, and Rose became a surprisingly good spot-up three-point shooter with the Knicks. So, like, when I just looked up Kemba's stats, I was looking to see how many uh, catch-and-shoot three-pointers he had, and I was actually surprised to see that it said, you know, he averaged about two and a half per game last year and shot almost 40% on them. So I'm like, to hear you say that before I even brought that stat up, I'm like, oh, that's great. That's that's exactly what I want to hear as far as, you know, how he might be able to slot into this team where, you know, I, I think his biggest threat for, for playmaking – responsibilities being taken off his plate is Julius Randle. Um, But even, I mean, I think Fournier, I think ideally is utilized as a guy that can have the ball in his hands and create sometimes for himself and others. Uh, R.J. Barrett, you know, Knicks fans and the Knicks organization, I'm sure, are hoping we'll take that next step this year to where, you know, last year it took very deliberate design sets for him, but he was creating for others, did have a really good rapport with Mitchell Robinson, throwing up lobs and stuff like that. Um, you know, and this year, hopefully if he improves his handle a little bit and that sort of thing, he might be able to start creating from a standstill a little more. We, we saw him in international play starting to kind of bust out a step back three out of his arsenal. So, um, there's a lot of potential for a, a Knicks lineup now that has four guys that can credibly handle the ball. But that also means that they'll need four guys that can credibly, find their spots without the ball in their hands too when one of the other guys starts to cook and you know they need to kind of find their place so it's good to hear that Kemba's sort of made that transition in many ways um since that as I said since that did sort of take the you know right at the end of your last thread there sort of took the thread for this question for me I I'm actually I'm gonna ask this because I'm curious and maybe some of our listeners might tune out at this point but what it what do you think the goal is for the Celtics during this the rest of this offseason because <laughs> I you know, I'm I, I when we brought up at the beginning, you know, that Stevens hasn't done anything yet, that sort of made it dawn on me that yeah, he hasn't. Um, I mean, Ames used to be really active at the beginning of free agency periods, and now they have Brad Stevens in there as the the president of basketball operations, and they've been really quiet for a team that presumably is trying to reload and get back into the the upper echelon discussion with Jason Tatum getting a year older, uh, you know Jalen Brown getting a year older, this this core that you know this young core that they have, Robert Williams now kind of coming into his own. I mean, you would think they would have been pretty active in the early stages of free agency if they could have and and tried to make something happen here. Like, what's the deal with Boston at this point, or or does nobody know basically?
2: Well, the deal with Boston is that they don't want to spend money right now that this is, this is a bridge here. So this is a, it's probably the best thing that Knicks fans could, could hear because it, it takes Boston uh, maybe a, a notch below what they could be. Now, of course, I say that before looking at what this team really is as currently constituted. Jason Tatum is is obviously the, the best player. Jalen Brown is not that far behind. If they can take steps forward and Jason Tatum can go from fringe all-NBA guy to first-team all-NBA guy, that means he's a, an MVP candidate. And when you have an MVP candidate on your team, you're pretty good. So you add Jalen Brown to that, if he can be an all-star, uh, then that makes the players around them a little bit better. And no, the Celtics aren't going for it this year. There's, that's very clear. But they do have some complementary players already in place in, in Aaron Neesmith and Romeo Langford that are intriguing but very high variance they could be no production at all and then the Celtics are kind of screwed or they can be big steps forward switchable wings that can hit threes and defend and all of a sudden the Celtics look a whole lot better Uh, you're you're relying on Josh Richardson to to maybe find some of his old Miami magic and not look like he did this past year in Dallas and hopefully the you know getting away from covid because he you know he caught covid and getting away from a situation where uh the the luca rick carlisle dynamic was starting to fall apart and so you know he's only 27 so maybe the Celtics can get something there a lot of maybes on the celtics roster you know maybe robert williams can take a step forward because he's if he's healthy but his health is a big question for him if he's healthy and can play 30 plus minutes a game that changes the dynamic because he's a really good passer and can run, you can run the offense through him in the high post. So it's not that the Celtics don't have good players. Um, I think when you look at what other teams are doing, it makes it feel like the Celtics are taking a step back. They're, they're, they're taking a small step back, and, and their goal ultimately here is preserving cap space for 2022, presumably for a run at Bradley Beal, so they can go into next season... With a trio of Tatum, Beal, and uh, Jalen Brown, you at that point you give Robert Williams a new contract uh, and use his bird rights, hopefully, and then you then you move forward and see what you can do to fill out the roster around three like dynamic wings. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting kind of pursuit there, but that that's kind of where the Celtics are. They they've hit the pause button. They've made a few trades, but. That, the Kemba trade to clear the cap space, the Richardson trade to, to um, kind of replace Evan Fournier, and the Chris Dunn trade as part of the deal to get rid of Tristan Thompson, which they also really needed to do. So we'll see where the Celtics kind of land. They could be best-case scenario fighting for the fourth seed, worst-case scenario in the play-in tournament.
1: All right, John, we will wrap it up right there. Uh, can't thank you enough for joining us on – such short. Notice, this is the point in the pod where I ask people uh, where they can uh, find their work. And I know there's some Knicks fans grumbling, oh, we don't want to listen to the On. <laughs> but guys, it's a great podcast. John does an incredible job. He's fresh off anchoring our entire network's draft coverage. One of the best that we have one of the best that the podcasting industry has in general so i really do encourage you to listen i don't know i'm i'm always fascinated in in what my, our rival teams are up to i like to know the latest i like to have those insights it's a whole lot of fun so john i'll ask you where can everyone find your work
2: you can find my work uh, on the podcast it's the lockdown celtics podcast also on wednesday's the lockdown nba podcast with jake madison of lockdown Pelicans. so uh, make sure you're, you're checking out the Lockdown NBA podcast. My writings at Boston Sports Journal, where I'm a beat writer covering the Boston Celtics uh, and the league in general. So uh, I only make fun of the Knicks when they deserve it, which happened to be most of the time. But I'm now they're actually you're
1: burning all the goodwill, man. You, you don't-
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I, I think I actually I, I can objectively say that the Knicks last year. Were, we're a fun team to watch. I thought that I thought the Randall year was was amazing. I thought he deserved to get that that All NBA nod, and they're they're doing interesting things. It's actually, you know, I, I above all else, my loyalty is to the game of basketball, and anytime you know, I want every team in the NBA to be good, and then let's see where the chips fall. So, you know, kudos to the Knicks. You're you're doing good things now. As long as here, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. I think this will endear me to Knicks fans. Anytime Dolan hasn't interfered, the Knicks have been okay. They've been able to do good basketball things. It's only when Dolan sticks his nose into things that that stuff really starts to swirl down the toilet. So it seems like Dolan has stepped back. So congratulations on that and enjoy however long that prosperity lasts until Dolan decides that he wants to get in on it and have his band play at halftime.
0: I I think think that might happen
1: regardless yeah sorry Alex go ahead
0: I was gonna say the Phil Jackson and then Steve Mills eras would like a word because he stayed pretty out during those and they were still (laughs) fairly bad but you know at least it netted us RJ Barrett so it's you know some good came out of that uh so it's I guess I'm thankful for that that part of it
1: all right John really really appreciate it man we'll catch you later
0: all right see you guys